Well, so glad to have you at all of our locations. Hey, what is our custom is we welcome each other. So come on, Lufkin, come on, Nick. Let's welcome each other. Come on, Duncan and Dieball. Glad to have you guys joining us. We continue in our series called Better. A perfect year isn't really possible. A better one is. A better one is. And if you are just joining us, we've been stacking one message on top of the other. It's been kind of a progression. And uh, we've started in the very first Sunday in 2020, we started with the consistency effect, that principle that we've got to engage this year. And the consistency effect, you can write it down if you're taking notes. The consistency effect says small things consistently over time lead to big things. Small things are big things in disguise. Small decisions are big decisions in disguise. A look here, a flirt there, a small decision can become a big decision. A small decision in going to the gym for five minutes a day. Yeah, what's going to happen in five minutes? It's going to build a small decision that can become consistently over time a big decision. Small things that lead to big things. And I talked about how our life may feel empty or there's things we want to add to our life. But consistency says, what, what, what life says is, man, pour it in, let's go. Extreme weight loss, extreme muscles, extreme whatever. We love having everything to the extreme. But Jesus says in the book of John, I've come that you might have life and not have it to the extreme, but have it to the full. And that full, sometimes we want it overnight, but it is just consistency. One step at a time, one conversation at a time, one discipline at a time, Instead of trying to get 90% better in everything this year, what if you got 10% better in a few things? What, what if trying to do an hour devotions every single day, seven days a week, what if four times this week you spent 10 minutes in solitude and focused on listening to a worship song and reading a scripture in Proverbs and beginning to pray? One step at a time, small things consistently. Eventually, what you see is you begin to see the pattern of change. You don't look in the mirror after one day in the gym and say, oh, yeah. You say, oh, is what you say. But like nine, 10 weeks later, people start saying, hey, I've noticed a difference in you. You're like, that's right. right. It's consistency. I want to encourage you that the better goal for 2020 is not about what you wanna get done. It's about who you wanna become. In fact, you can write it down like this. It's who overdue. God cares more, listen to me, everybody. God cares more about who you are than what you do for him. Because if he can get to the essence of who you are from the inside out, it will change what you do for him. It will affect how you operate, how you feel, how you behave. For way too long, the church was about behavioral modification. You can't do this, you can't do that, you gotta stop this, you gotta stop that. And really what it's more about is about being changed from the inside out. Who you're becoming transforms what you are doing with who you're becoming. And the apostle Peter, who had a track record of not, of not doing everything according to the way he should. He thought he was gonna do it, but he fell short many times. He, he thought, God, I'm a, Jesus, I'm gonna die for you. I, I've got your back, baby. And then when the pressure was on, he denied him. Um, he didn't stay that way. He grew beyond that, but we all have faults. We all have character flaws, and Jesus is wanting to grow us one step at a time. And so later in the New Testament, towards the end of the Bible, in 2 Peter, the second letter that, that, that Peter writes to the Christians, he, gives, he, he opens up this letter with this passage of Scripture. I want to read it for you and read it to you. Um, in 2 Peter chapter 1, from the Living Bible, Peter says, hey, do you want to... Do you want more and more of God's kindness and peace? How many of you, to be honest, with a hand raised, you say, I'd like more and more of God's kindness and peace in my life. I'd like to see it manifest in my life. Of course, yeah. You know, for the person like, nah, I don't care. Okay, well, hey, I want you to know I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. You, you need more God's kindness and peace, I'm telling you. If you want more and more God's kindness and peace, it's not about biting your bottom lip. Peter begins to unpack what that looks like. And he says, okay, if that's what you want, then you gotta learn to know him 
better and better because it's not about what you're doing to get God's kindness and peace. Do you know you're not earning his peace in your life because you helped at the soup kitchen last week? Now, that's a good thing you can do, but it doesn't earn you the peace of God. It doesn't earn you the goodness of God. That's a good thing. But what you have to do is you have to start by who he is, discovering who you are, that then begins to take the next steps. Because do you know, sometimes you can serve in the soup kitchen and it's all about you being seen. It's not gonna be any spiritual growth if it's all about just people seeing you do something good. It's about who you're becoming, knowing him better and better, that then leads you to be in the hands and feet of Jesus. So as you know him better, He'll give you through his great power. It's not about what you could do. It's about what he does and what he gifts you with his power. Through his power, everything you need for living a truly good life. If I just have a little bit more more money, then I'll have the good life. If I just have a better title at work, then I'll have the good life. If I just drive that car, I'm telling you, people can get down to that kind of stuff. If I just accumulate this, if people will just say this about me, if my dad will finally notice my accomplishments, then I'll have the good life. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Through his power, you got everything you need for truly a good life. You just got to follow him and know him more and it will be added to you. But, and this is a big old but, but to obtain these gifts, you need more than faith. Because it's one thing to believe in the unseen, to be sure of what you can't see. But James, in the book of James, says faith without works is dead. So not only do we have faith that God is who he says he is, but it's got to go beyond just God is who he says he is. It's got to go beyond that. You got to work hard to be good, to like to do the right thing, to follow after Jesus. And even that is not enough to just be good because then you got to know God better and discover what he wants you to do. Because many times what we think he wants us to do and what he really wants us to do can be two polar opposites. And Peter doesn't stop there. He says, next, you got to learn to put aside your own desires. That's tough, isn't it? What I want, how I want, the way I think things should look, the way I thought life should turn out, the way I expected the marriage to, to just kind of fall into line just like this and everything was gonna be perfect and then we'd get pregnant and then we'd have kids and then life threw you a curveball and you're trying to figure this whole thing out. In fact, you may be even saying, is there even a God because your own desires and God's desires have come into tension together. But as we put aside our own desires, we can become patient and godly, gladly letting God have his way with you. That whole key, gladly, gladly is, is, is a tough thing. Because sometimes like, fine, God, I'll do it. Bless the Lord, I'm gonna go to church. Ah, I find I'll give him 10% of my income. I'll tithe. I don't like it. I don't like it, God. He's inviting you not to be mad at trusting him, but glad to trust him. Can I say some, one of the best discipleship things you need to do and I need to do is you need to learn how to lose an argument with God. You've been fighting with God over stuff. You've been fighting with God over whether this should be this way in your life. You've been, you've been arguing with God with the way things are looking at work. You're, you're arguing with God. And one of the best things you could do is just lose an argument with Jesus and say, okay, God, you win. Now, I know that's not easy because I can tell you, JY don't like to lose an argument with anybody, especially his wife. It's tough. It's tough. Tough, and you're in the middle of an argument, and, and, and she throws down the ace card. You know what the ace card is in a pastor's home. You throws down the ace card, she goes, That's a really good attitude, Pastor Jeremy. <laughs> oh, it's on like Donkey Kong. And I say, Oh, it is on, and I slam the door, God bless you. We all got to learn this glad surrender. Surrender's tough no matter what. Surrender's tough. Glad surrender. Don't you see it? That's what Jesus did in the garden. Oh, take this cup. 
It's hard to surrender, but you know what? Nevertheless, not my will, yours be done. And he models glad surrender when everything was stacked against him. And when you do that, when you do that, Peter says, that'll make possible the next step, the next step, which is for you to enjoy other people and to like them, (laughs) which is for you to enjoy other people and to like them. What? Even Becky in accounting? Yes, even Becky. And finally, you will grow to love them deeply. This isn't saying you got to love, you got to hang out with everybody and invite everybody over to the party. You don't have to do that. But as you gladly surrender, you learn how to love people despite how they love you, how to understand people despite how they understand or misunderstand you. Peter goes on and says, hey, the more you go on in this way, all right? Because it's not overnight, it's a process. Salvation is in an instant. It's in an instant because if it weren't, it would be about what you would do to earn it. So this isn't about my way to heaven, bowing a knee to Jesus. Salvation is intentionally easy and instant. Why? Because it's not about you, it's already been paid and it wasn't easy. He paid for it with his own blood. But he makes access to his sacrifice easy by you simply believing and starting in that direction. The more you go on in this way, the more you will grow strong spiritually and become fruitful and useful to our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we hear that scripture. That ought to encourage us. But there's a dilemma that we need to unpack. There's there's an obstacle that we need to address. It's, it's not an elephant in the room. It's very blatantly, I mean, it is an elephant. It's, it's obvious. You may not know it, but it's even obvious in your own life to other people. And here, here it is. It's not in your notes, but you may wanna jot it down. You can be in church for years and years and never grow. You can come to church because it's the thing you do on Sundays. And over decades, you are still not growing because you haven't taken the steps to grow. And the essence of Christianity isn't just about attending church. In fact, the essence of Christianity, we misunderstand this. And so I want to kind of set the record straight today. We think that the essence of Christianity is like amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost and now and found, was blind and now I See, now that's part of it, blind and now we see. A wretch who is saved and cleansed. But what sometimes we think it's about, it's not about. Let me give you a couple of things that's not, here's the essence of Christianity is not about this. It's not about making nasty people nice. Can you believe Robert came to church today? Bless the Lord, (laughs) I'm surprised the walls didn't cave in. My wife is telling me I got all these different voices I use on Sunday and they're beginning to identify them. That's like long-term, you know, East Texan Christian who comes to church and he's like, you know, huh, I, don't, I don't need all this new fandangled stuff, all this lights and smoke and everything, whatnot. Let's <laughs> give me the gospel, bless God. It's not about making nasty people nice. I know you'd like that. I know you'd like, you know, if that was Christianity, you'd be like, you know, that's for your spouse (laughs) because they're nasty and you'd like them to be nicer. But it's not about making nice people nicer. It's, It's not about either one of those. And this is where we get it wrong, everybody. In fact, you and I love to categorize people. We love to put people in boxes. We love to people watch and assume we know their story. We love to make sense. If there is a car on the side of the road and the hood is up and smoke is rolling out of that engine and you drive by and 100 feet ahead is a, is a guy walking on the same side of the road, who's the guy? Who's the guy? The car owner. How do you even know that? No, you don't even know that. It could just be some guy walking on the side of the road. But we love to try and make sense of things. We love to try and put two and two together. And so we do this with Christianity too. And we categorize people into two key groups. The first one is decent people. We, there's decent people in this world 
you know who they are. You can think, you can start listing some decent people in your life. And then there's another category, and that is everyone else. <laughs> decent people and everyone else. Now, the everyone else, you know, you know who they are. <laughs> you know who they are, right? They're the people that are rough around the edges. And they're difficult. It's Becky in accounting. Difficult to be around. They're, they can be lazy. They can be nasty. It's just like, why are you so nasty all the time? Just nasty attitude. Even in like, boy, your emails. Like, I did not know emails could be so mean. Wicked people. Like, doing stuff you know ought not be done. Like, cheating and lying and backstabbing and gossip and like it's just like decent people and everyone else and then of course the decent people let's define that a little bit it's people that are pretty moral you know they they, they do the right thing they treat people with respect when, when someone it's a student at, at in high school and you see someone sitting by yourself a decent person hey you're sitting by yourself you want to come join us that's a, that's a decent person they, 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 moms and dads, husbands and wives, they take care of their family, good people, straight shooters, not gonna lie, not gonna cheat, not gonna steal you. You can trust them. They're fairly religious. They may go to church every once in a while or they may go every single week. But I can tell you, both of these can be completely unsaved. Do not know Jesus. They're decent people and they're going to hell. And that's hard because we have tried to value what people do as the way to determine whether or not we deserve an eternity in heaven or an eternity not. And then, simultaneously, we assume that the everyone else's are never going to be there either. So what can happen is, either one of these groups can find Jesus. Either one of these. Good people. Nasty people, decent people, everyone else. And so what happens is the new Christian who's already a decent person, what we can do is we begin, we begin to use their morality as a litmus test to whether they're truly growing in Jesus. They're, they're a good dad, but they may not even be growing in Christ because these are just, these are just good things in somebody, okay? On the other side of that, You've got a new Christian who's rough around the edges. They just got saved. And you're like, did they really get saved? I mean, this was the debate in Christian world about Kanye West. Because Kanye West had some stuff that you'd say, nah, maybe rough around the edges. But it don't matter if it is the board member of the nonprofit that feeds thousands or the guy that was the gangster rapper belittling people. When we start with Jesus, we start with Jesus. But then you can't stay there. You've got to grow. And here, here, here's another issue we have with this whole list thing. Is we, we have respectable sins here and unrespectable sins there. So we got respectable sins here of the guy who's, you know, the chairman of the board of the, of the, of the uh, uh, whatever, United, okay? They're the, or the nonprofit. They're a good person. They coach the baseball team. They, they care about people. They're, they're, ki they're, ki they're a great boss. But they're materialistic. And they've got some pride. Or... They've gotten saved, and they're, more, they're a pretty decent person, but they also are arrogant. And, and, and they, they, they are rude because they're just in a position of power, and they can just have these things. And that's, that's not where you need to stay. Don't matter if you're a decent person or not. Then the unrespectable, well, they've got that addiction. They fly off the handle at work. They're not on time all the time. But they've just started following Jesus both of them have to be on a process, but here's the, here's the sin of both of them. Here's the sin of both of them. Both are living for themselves. Okay, the sin is not in the addiction. The sin is not in the pride. The sin is in living for yourself versus surrendering yourself. That's the sin. 
You remember the, the scripture in, in the book of Isaiah? Uh, it says, we all like sheep have gone astray. In fact, it says, we all like sheep have gone astray, so we drift, it's natural, decent moral people and everyone else. Each of us turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity, the, the, the wrongness, the sin, the, 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 the destructive patterns. The Lord laid on that, that on Jesus on the cross. He's laid it on him, the iniquity of us all. And what we understand is the top of that verse and the bottom of that verse, but we get, we get the definition of sin in this verse right here. Each of us has turned to our own way. Decent and everybody else, when you turn to your own way, that is sin. Sin says, I'm in charge, I don't need God. No matter whether you are good or you are nasty. And many people go to church and they're good people, but they're not growing in Christ. And I, I wanna see, I want you to know if that's you, I'm glad you're here. Um, you can stay that way if you want and still keep coming. But oh, that all of us would take next steps. So what did I say? The essence of Christianity is not about nasty people being nice. It's not about making nice people nicer. Here's what it is. It's about being made new and knowing Jesus better and better. Made new, he, he makes something old new. He makes beauty from ashes. He transforms us and he makes us new and you don't have to carry what was back in 1984 with you into 2020. He makes new and then he wants you to know him better and better because all this stuff, all this stuff, are, are, are you connected to Jesus is the question. Not are you trying to go from this, from this from this column to this column isn't what it's about. Are you gonna be, no matter whether you're here or here, are you gonna become more deeply connected to Jesus one step at a time? That's the game changer, everybody. That's the game changer. So I just wanna give you some thoughts on spiritual growth because I've divided this up into two sections. Next week, I'm gonna give you more practical handlebars on what next steps look like for every Christ follower, no matter whether you're exploring Christ or you are deep in the faith for years and years, I wanna give you some, some practical next steps. But today, I just wanna set up the foundation for next, for next week. So let me give you some thoughts on spiritual growth. Number one, spiritual growth is possible. Spiritual growth is possible. Some of you have been so satisfied with just simply saying, Jesus, be my savior. And he does that. He does that. And you're, you're clinging on to your heaven certificate that I'm gonna go to heaven someday, but I still got this addiction. I still got this shame. I still got this regret. I still got this past. I can't get over that. There's no way. And even though that might sound humble, I just, I just don't know if I could ever grow. That's actually, that's not humility. That is veiled disbelief in a God who wants to change you. Uh, I, just, I, never, I don't think I could ever become what, what that person is. My grandma, she was a prayer warrior. You wanna talk, talk about a Christian, that was my grandma. I, I'll never be able to walk in her shoes. He didn't design you to walk in her shoes. Although from what I hear, they're really comfortable for those of you that have bunions. <laughs> what was I saying? You are designed for Jesus to fit you into your own shoes and to take next steps. And spiritual growth is possible. Don't think it's not. You can go further. Well, I've just about heard all there is to hear. That's just a sign. It's time to go further. If you're saying that to yourself, that's pride. That is, that is pride. I, 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 I don't really need to hear another sermon. I'm telling you, there's more that you can do to grow. Okay, number two, spiritual growth is not optional, it is necessary. Spiritual growth is necessary. 
Now, 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 listen, if you're here and you've not stepped over the line of faith and you're trying to figure out Jesus and you're just investigating because someone brought you and, and you're just, you don't even know, you got some skepticism. I'm glad you're here. We've designed these church services with people like you in mind. I hope you feel like the red carpet is rolled out for you. Whether it's Dieball, Duncan, Nacogdoches, Iglesia, the Lufkin location or online, we want people that are not quite for sure because that's how all of humanity starts. We all start somewhere. So you don't have to grow at all. You don't have to listen to a thing I say today. But if you're a Christ follower, it's necessary that you be examining your heart and looking at growth and taking next steps. In fact, Peter says it like this. He, he, he begins to wrap up that whole next and next and next. He says, anyone who fails to go after these additions to faith, they're, they're blind indeed, or at least very short-sighted. I'm already here. I've heard this before. I'm growing to cry. I've been in church for years and years, and yet you are still critical of people. And yet you are still, you, you still, you still struggle with giving God full control. You struggle. Oh, you love Jesus. You pray every day. You read your Bible. You marked it from Genesis to the maps in the back. Bless God. And you still have issues. Well, just like I do. You think preaching a sermon gets rid of your issues? No, confessing your sin gets rid of your sin. Confessing your sin to one another gives you accountability and the ability to get healing from those things. Preaching another sermon, hearing another sermon ain't gonna help you. But then applying the word of God day by day. I'm telling you, every single one of us, you were made for more. You were made for more. I, I, I showed this illustration a couple of years ago. We've grown by 700 people across our campuses in the last 12 months. Is that crazy or what? 700 people. That's nuts. And the reason, we, the reason we care about that is because it's not just about the number. It's about we wanna, we're better suited to help people take next steps in their relationship with Jesus when they show up and we help them take next steps. That's what we're about. But I want you to know, you were made for more. And even though I've shown this illustration before, we got 700 people that didn't, so you haven't seen it. But you guys, have, you, you ever been to, 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 to McDonald's and you go and you, you do the, the, the ketchup splurt, splurter thing? The ketchup pump? I love the ketchup pump because you can fill up your tray with ketchup. I love ketchup. But, but what you may not know is these little cups were made for more. I mean, anybody ever been frustrated and only stick three stinking fries into your ketchup? You're like, well, I don't do that. I just squeeze it out onto the thing. I just squeeze it out onto the tray, you know, just get rid of it. Well, that's not what it's designed to do. I'll grab another one here. If you haven't seen this, the truth is these are specifically designed that if you pull on the edges, they grow to three and a half times their size. And so then when you go to get your ketchup, you even want to dip your cheeseburger in the ketchup. You can! You can! Look! Look at the difference! Look at the difference! This is you at Timber Creek. This is who God's called you to become. You can have more. <laughs> you can have more. More, bless God. I don't know what he's saying, but I do want to get McDonald's after church. <laughs> and for those of you that's like, come on, give me a new illustration. I've already heard that one. Can I just give you a scripture for that that really makes me feel good? In this same passage, Peter says, I plan to keep on reminding you of these things, even though you already know them and are really getting along quite well, I'm gonna keep preaching the same stuff, okay? And you're gonna get it and you're gonna understand it and you because half of you don't remember what I preached last week and you know it's true. It's the power of seeing a scripture and not just reading it once, but seeing it. It's like the reason you're born with two eyes, you see the same thing at a distance from a slightly different perspective in two different perspectives, do you know what that gives you? It gives you depth. It gives you depth perception. And when you read the scripture and when you see it from different angles, this is why we're not designed to, to go solo. We're designed to be in community because that gives us different angles. It diff gives us different sight, not only what we see, but what other people see in me. And it gives you depth. It gives you depth. All right, let's keep going. Spiritual growth is gradual. You don't like, 
arrive. You don't, four weeks into starting point and, and you have like, it's, it's it, okay? Graduation doesn't happen quick. People that want to graduate, it's like, they've got graduation fever because we don't like stuff that's gradual. We prefer prefab houses over castles. Because if the, if the house is gonna take longer than eight months to build, ugh, castles take centuries, centuries. And, and, and you, you are valuable to God. You're valuable. And your growth is going to be gradual. It's gonna come in stages. And, and John says it in 1 John, he says, These three different scriptures. I'm writing to you who are God's children. That's a stage. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith. That's a stage. I am writing to you who are young in the faith. So there's different stages. You can write them down. The first is is childhood. This first is childhood. I have seen two children come into this world. I've been in the room when two children have come into this world. They are my own. They both were cesarean. They both were from the same woman. They came out completely different. One of them came out kicking and screaming, active, ready to go, and would not shut up for an hour and a half. It was crazy. It was crazy. The doctors were laughing. It was intense. Janet's like, God, get him to shut up. I'm like, oh, baby, be nice. No, I'm kidding. It wasn't quite like that. The other child, totally chillaxed. Like, I remember seeing as the cesarean came, oh, oh, she's got dark hair. Oh, my goodness, she's got so much hair. Oh, oh, wow. She comes in. Her eyes are wide open. Like, her eyes were just like, Wide open, just wide open. She went like this. <laughs> and then was cool, was just like, what's up? Was just like, chill. Like just a few days, she was sleeping through the night. Now she was our first and that's what tricked us. It tricked us. Cause we thought, let's have another one. I'm glad we did, but it wasn't the same. And that's exactly how new Christians come into the world. One comes in reserved, maybe even doubtful, not for sure if they understand this whole thing, still kind of hesitant to trust. They're still a baby, and they need to learn the hand of the Father. Others can come in kicking and screaming, excited to serve, excited. I'm going to go to starting point. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to suck it all in. Very, very, I mean, spiritually caffeinated. <laughs> and, and they're sucking it in everywhere. And, and, and so the one, who's, the one who comes in a little reserved and maybe even skeptical might stunt their growth because of their reservations. But the one who's exuberant may stunt their growth because they're so excited, they're not ready to grow deeper. And they already think they've arrived. Listen, I've seen this. People get radically saved, and all of a sudden, they feel called to do seven things, to go to ministry, to do this, to do that, to do this, and they haven't built the muscles yet to hold on to that, and so they falter. They falter. It was so strong, and I don't have that anymore. They're children. They're children. They're, they're, you know kids are wishy-washy. I want ice cream. I want ice cream. Here's some ice cream. Oh, thank you. It's like they're wishy-washy. So the common theme between the one who's reserved as they grow and the one that's wow is they both need to cling and they both need to be fed and they both need to grow and they both need to cry and they will cry and they will cling and they will be fed. It's about knowing Jesus more and more and getting closer to Jesus, not about caffeinating with this event and with that event and watching this and listening to this. It's about knowing Jesus more and more. And it's the same with the person who's reserved. Get around Jesus more and more and you'll lose your reservations. You'll become, okay, I can trust him. Okay, it does make sense. That's childhood though. Duh, don't expect a child to be mature. Like expect them to be, you know, a brat. 
And then you go to adolescence and go to adolescence. Now you think you've arrived, but you still, you know how many of you had teenagers? They think they've arrived. You're still living in this house, bucko. Huh? You, 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 <laughs> lots I could say there. <laughs> adolescence, you know, when, when a baby cries, you're like, oh, it's okay. Shh, I get it. I get it. Let me explain it. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. When a 12-year-old cries, it's like, shut up. That's not going to work on me anymore. Don't do that. You're going to clean your room, and you're going you're gonna to get over it. Get over it and get in the car. It just is what, like, like you, you, you figure out in adolescence, but you, and so you're growing, but as parents, what you're trying to do with an adolescence is they're try, you're trying to figure out how to help them not just rely on the feelings that you, you help them with all the time, but that they can become self-feeding. You're not going, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Take the train. I'm 13, mom. Like if they're like, feed me, you're like, you know where the milk is, bucko. You know where it is. Pour the Fruit Loops. And you know what? You start learning that not everything is summer. You, you start learning that there's not fruit every single time you go to church. That you got to, or, or, or there's not necessarily fruit every season of your life. That sometimes there's winter. The longer you're with Jesus, you realize it's not all daisies and buttercups, that there is, there's wintertime where the leaves fall and you're cold and you're wondering, why is, it, why is it snowing? Why is it snowing in my life? Why is it snowing? And God's like, it's January. It snows in January. But you don't get it because you've still, you still got zits on your soul. You're still trying to figure the thing out. And you haven't matured yet. It's gradual. It's, it's gradual. And then we get to maturity. And can I tell you that maturity, if you're like, yeah, that's me, guess what? It ain't you. Because maturity would realize, oh, I've got so much to do. And we would realize we're not truly fully matured until we see Jesus face to face. And even then, he's showing us things and revealing things to us that we did not know until heaven. He's still growing us. We're still worshiping him and loving him more and more and more. It's all gradual. And I know some of you, you want the, the bullet. You want the silver bullet that gets you to that next place, that helps you get over this thing. You're looking for a sign. I need a sign. You, you need a process. It's like my, it's like my dad, when we, were trapped, when we were kids and we would go on vacation, he loved to record on the big old you know, NBC Universal Studios camcorder that barely fit in the trunk. He recorded our, our family vacations. He loved to get as many little plaques on the video as possible. And later he, he recognized and he actually set us all down in tears in his eyes. He said, I'm sorry that I spent a lot of family vacation recording signs instead of watching you. I'm sorry. Sometimes we can get so focused on seeing the next sign, seeing that next thing in our life that we just don't understand relationship with Jesus. Just knowing the most important thing is not that next thing that you've accomplished. The most important thing is just knowing Jesus better and better and better. And one of those trips, we went to California. We went to the Petrified Forest. And uh, my dad, we have this on film. I got I to gotta pull these out and show you sometime. No, you would be bored to death. Uh, but there's a part where you get it on video. Dad says to my younger brother, who's third grade at the time, he says, Jared, run up there. Run up there. You see there's a sign up there. I want to know if I need to get that on video. Go run up there and yell back what it says. And so he ran all the way. You can see him running in the video, you know, little third grader, you know. Ah, okay. And he gets all the way up to the sign and he yells from like 100 yards away. He yells, what does it say, son? What does it say? And Jared yells out. It says, please stay on trail. <laughs> That's it. There was no interesting fact that my dad could record. But can I tell you, instead of looking for that next thing from God, I think Jesus just wants to say to you, stay on the trail. Stay on the trail. Don't get weary in doing good. Don't get weary. I know some of you, you want to step off the trail right now. Don't. Don't. Stay on the trail. Stay after it. God has more. It's why we do what we do with the starting point and dream team and groups. And you can get more in-depth information out in our lobbies, in our Nacogdoches and Lufkin location on what it means to take next steps here. And we're trail guides for you. 
Our job isn't, my job isn't to, to grow you for yourself. You have to choose to grow. That's you and Jesus, but we'll help you get there. We'll, we'll give you trails to stay on that can help you go further. One new trail we're adding this year. It's a, it's a test. We don't know if it'll be next year, but this year we're gonna do it all year. We're gonna do it eight different times. It's gonna be on the first Sunday of the month. It starts in February, and we're calling them Better Parent Lunches. And you have to sign up. You got to RSVP, space is limited. It's about an hour and 10 minute lunch. We're, it's going to be catered. First one's catered by Outback. It's going to cost you, uh, but it's going to cost us more than we charge you. But, but we're going to help offset the cost. It's a charge for a mom and a dad to go. We're going to help you out. We want you to get better in your parenting. And this is one thing, listen, it's not just for you. It's an easy ask for somebody who may not be ready to go to church with you but they're interested in being a better parent. And you can say, hey, we're doing this lunch thing after church. Would you like to come to this lunch thing with me? And it's an easy invite for you. But we also want you to be better parents this year. But it's gradual. It takes time. Number four, spiritual growth is organic. Boy, this word is so overused in our culture these days. Are those tomatoes organic? Is this makeup? Oh, this makeup. Oh, girl, it's organic. Mm. We say organic like it's just like all of a sudden a farmer just kind of showed up in their fields like it just like showed up organically. They still had to plant seed. They still had to work the soil. They still had to harvest the tomatoes. They still had to wash them off and put them in the box and send them to wherever. There's still a process, but, but organic means it's, it's, it, it's without the pesticides and there's a naturalness to it. God wants to organically grow you. And here's a mistake that many churches make, and we don't want to make the same mistake, that you think that just by adding another program is going to help you spiritually grow. Can I, can I say this to you? do you grow a pile of rocks organically? Does a pile of rocks grow organically? The answer is no, no. You take a rock and you add it to a pile, you can grow a pile of rocks. But that is, a, that is more of steps by steps. That's a program to build the pile. Now, a leaf, on the other hand, a seeds that fall, acorns that, that through the wind, they blow and they, they cover up and they get watered and they dig down into the, and a squirrel picks them up and runs it and then they get scared by a dog and drops it there and then it gets watered again. They, organi they organically begin to grow. But what we run the danger of at Timber Creek, and we, we wanna make sure that we're not doing this because this is really up to you. Write it down. It's very easy to, make, to, to, to mistake spiritual busyness for spiritual growth. That if I get into a grow track, if I get into encounter, if I go through starting point, if I start serving in a dream team, you can get busy with all kinds of stuff and never ever grow. We've been over-programmed and undergrown. So the deal is not just to get into something. The deal is let Jesus change you. Come with a glad, surrendered heart and let Jesus change you from the inside out. That's the organic growth that Jesus wants to see because you can go through grow one, two, and three and have all kinds of secret sins you're still dealing with. You can go through encounter and because you don't gladly surrender to the process, you can be the exact same that you want, than when you started if you want to be or you can see God do some unbelievable things because you have surrendered to the process. And can I tell you that just because you're growing in your gifts, that's not the same as growing in grace. Just because you're growing in a gift that God's give you, that's why pastors can let you down because they can grow in the gift of leadership and grow in the gift of preaching and they can preach and crowds get bigger, but then they can also not be growing in grace and there is an element of lack of character and then they fall to something and it's devastating because they are growing in their gift, but they're not growing in grace. I'm not interested in you growing in your gift without growing in your grace, without growing in his grace. One step at a time. One next step, knowing him better and better. Finally, number five, spiritual growth is observable. Well, you know, I'm growing in the Lord, but you know what? Your wife doesn't know it. If your wife doesn't know you're growing, probably, you ain't growing, probably, to be honest. Like if you, if you are still the same cranky person, 
after going through groups and process and services, you might get, be hearing the word, but you're not doing it. You gotta grow. And Peter begins to wrap up this first part of the letter by saying, the more you go on in this way, the more you'll grow strong spiritually and become fruitful and useful. Listen, faithful to church over decades honestly doesn't mean a thing because you can be faithful and still, and still disappoint the master. The master gave a man a one bag of gold and four bags of gold and five bags of gold and the one who was faithful with the one bag of gold, faithful, put it into the ground, buried it and was faithful that nothing would touch it. He actually, he did wrong. He did wrong. It was those that were faithful and fruitful. And, and actually moving. I'm interested in you being faithful to church. It will, it will help you. But you've got to be investigating, is the fruit growing? Because people get close enough to you, you have fruit. It may be good, it may be sour, but you have fruit. And the closer people get to you, they're able to see your fruit. And the closer they get to you, not only do they see your fruit, they may take your fruit and they may taste and see that you go to church you're a decent person, but you don't know Jesus. You don't know Jesus. So what do you do? You begin to observe your own life and you be observed. You be observed, you invite people. This is the power of groups. It's the power of, of getting around a table with some people. You observe and you be observed. Iron sharpens iron. Sometimes there's sparks. But you gotta have people in your life that say, hey, how you doing? You gotta have people in your life that, that, that say to you, hey, I kinda overheard that conversation with your wife. Boy, that was pretty harsh, bro. That was pretty harsh. And you can either say, get out of my business, or you can observe that and say, okay, hmm. Okay, not anybody can say that to me, but the people I love and the people that love me and have had track record with me, can say, hey, dude, that's not you. That's not you. So you gotta observe and be observed. So I gave you a McDonald's illustration. Let me wrap up with another illustration from a, another food illustration. Take a look. All right, one of my favorite places in East Texas is the gourmet restaurant, Five Star Taco Casa. I wanna show you something uh, this is a little trick of the trade in the uh, fast food business uh, to get you to, to uh, upsell you a little bit, okay? I'll just watch. We'll just wait till see if they're ready to order or not. Get closer, you can hear them. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna take um, uh, two tacos. Um, let's take a soft taco. Um, how about a, how about two chili burgers? Uh, let's take a chilada. Um, can I have two orders of nachos with no jalapeno peppers? Um, how about a super taco? Okay, what else? Uh, a large sweet tea. Okay, what else? A bean burrito. Okay, what else? Um, a super burrito. Okay, what else? And two more tacos, meat and cheese only, and that'll be it. Total at the window, okay. Thank you. Total's at the window, so uh, <laughs> we'll see what it is. So $87 later. <laughs> you, you keep asking, you keep telling them and they keep asking and uh, it gives you, gives them an opportunity to kind of add to your order. I, I, I want to end with this. You've got to ask yourself the question, but actually I wrote it wrong on your notes. 
I wrote it that way, but it's wrong. I woke up this morning realizing that's the wrong question. Well, it's the wrong person you need to ask. So I want you to scratch it out on your notes. You got to ask Jesus the question. Not ask yourself, ask Jesus the question. And the question is, what else? What else? Jesus, I'm trying to trust you in this and this and this. What else? And I want to tell you, if you ask, he'll answer. And if you want to know him better and better, you will. And you can. And it's not about you becoming a more decent person or a nice person becoming nicer. It's about you knowing the one who loved you so much he gave his life for you. And he wants to grow in that relationship with you as you grow in that relationship with him better and better and better. All locations, would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Truth is, you can't take this ride with him. You can't take this journey unless you've invited him to lead you, invited him to be your savior, invited him to be the king of your life. And if that's you in this room and all of our rooms, if you need to say, Jesus, I surrender today. I don't know if I know if I gladly surrender, but I surrender and I want to learn glad surrender. Be the Lord of my life. If that's you in all of our locations, you want to surrender to Jesus and start growing in him. Right now, just put a hand up in the air. That's me, that's me, that's me, yeah, yeah. Me too, I'm still growing, everybody. You can put your hands down at our locations. You'd simply say, Jesus, I surrender today. I've wanted to have my own way, and I'm like a sheep. I've drifted, I've gone astray. But Jesus, you paid for it all. And so I wanna start fresh with you. And thank you, Jesus, for not being mad at me, for being maybe in the everyone else category where I've been nasty, I've been wicked, and I've not been good. Or, Lord, forgive me that I thought just being a good person or being a good dad or just, you know, being decent was what it took. Lord, I realize I need you. Be my savior and my guide today. And with your heads bowed and eyes still closed, You're here and you're already on that faith journey, but you wanna take another step. You wanna take another step. You wanna take another step. Father, I pray that you would clear the path. I pray that you would open the eyes. I pray that you would help our children take next steps. I pray you would help our grandchildren know what next is, what next looks like in you. I pray that they would know you better and better and better so that when we look back at the end of 2020, we'll say, whew, it wasn't perfect, but boy, I got better and Jesus guided me and Jesus was my shepherd and I was led on paths of righteousness, not for me, but for the glory as unto God. And I know that I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was and I'm not where I'm going to be yet. But thank you, Jesus. I gladly surrender to you. What's next? Be my guide. In Jesus name we pray. And everybody said, amen.